0: is episode 22 quantum of solace following the death of vesper bond makes his
1: next mission personal the hunt for those who blackmailed his lover leads him to the ruthless businessman dominic green bond learns that green is plotting to gain total control of a vital natural resource and he must navigate a minefield of danger and treachery to foil the plan beautifully written summary of the film jay what did you remember about this though before you rewatched it recently
0: I think with these ones Andy you know now the films are more recent I would probably say we probably remember more of the films opposed to the the older ones so I remembered strawberry fields being covered in oil and that being kind of a throwback to goldfinger I also remember that there was a a hotel in the desert which I remember I couldn't quite remember what it looked like but I remember it being quite long and odd looking also, there was a, a scene involving the opera performance as well. And I, I remember this quite clearly where Bond was listening into the conversation and then I remembered where the villains got up and started moving away and that's how he was identifying the, the villains as well. And this is the third time I've seen Quantum of So I don't think that's a high number really for Bond. I'll probably say it's one of the the least amount of times I've seen a Bond film, but I might—I probably put that down to it's quite a recent film. Although, obviously, you're going to say later on when it came out, maybe would you say that's a recent film—a film that's what, fifteen—is it fourteen, fifteen years now? I don't know. I've only seen it three times.
1: Fifteen years old, yeah. No, three times. I'm thinking I've maybe only seen it three or four myself. So uh, that's not too bad, really. Uh, and I have to say, yeah, my uh, my list of Things I remembered is is quite similar to yours, if not slightly shorter. So I remember the uh, the throwback to Goldfinger, as you as you pointed out, the kind of strawberry dying by oil. I also remember the opening scene being a car chase through kind of tunnels. I think it was a uh, lakeside in Italy, and there was like tunnels along the lakeside, and there was a chase there. Uh, the scene at the opera, which uh, we're going to talk about in more detail, I remember that, and a vague recollection of something to do with Vesper's boyfriend which I believe comes at the end, we will discuss, but before I watched it, I vaguely remembered something, but I couldn't remember exactly what it was. So uh, let's get into it. So the main villains, we've got the aforementioned Dominic Green, we have General Medrano, Elvis, not Presley, we have Craig Mitchell, and we have Mr. White, and just the two Bond girls, Camille Montez and Strawberry Fields.
0: Craig Mitchell sounds like a, a brother from EastEnders. You know, when he got introduced in the film and he say Craig Mitchell, I thought, oh, that's quite a random name in a Bond it's film. It's a
1: Cockney gangster, isn't it? Not a Bond villain.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, theme song is Another Way to Die by Jack White and Lisa Keys. The opening credits, we've got a desert setting, which obviously fits in with the, the film, and they, they tend to obviously fit in with the film as well, these opening credits. We've got a bullet flying over the sand dunes. We've got Bond silhouettes. We have the usual models as well. And if I am not mistaken, I think last week's Casino Royale, was there, was there models? I can't quite remember if there was models or there wasn't as in your face as they usually are. So we've got the models here and we also see them spinning around. And also we see the Bond silhouette falling on the screen as well. In terms of Bond count, so this is the James Bond kills only. We've got 16 in Quantum of Solace. A
1: respectable number. Talking about gadgets, there's not a lot to talk about. There was a what do you call, I suppose, a modified mobile phone. There was very light on gadgets, um, which we'll we'll talk a little bit later on about as to why that may be. There is no introduction of Bond, James Bond, which I'm a little bit surprised by. So we don't get to hear that line in this film, but we do see Bond drinking a martini. Several, I think, if memory serves me correctly, he certainly had a few by the time you see him drinking. Is sixth, I think it is, on the plane. And we do not have any hat wearing or hat throwing there. So that kind of covers some of the main talking points that we collect each pod. Let's talk about what our favourite scenes were. Jay, why don't you kick us off?
0: My favourite scene in Quantum of Solace, I think, it was an easy one, Andy. And it's the opera scene. I don't know if you call it Opera House because obviously it's outdoors, but it's the opera setting. And it's the bit where Bond is listening in to the conversation between the different villains, so I like that bit. So he's opposite, and he, he scales the the ladders, the scaffolding bit, and the villains are talking. But obviously, he's taking that earpiece a little bit earlier on, and he's listening. And I like how he then interrupts the conversation, and they kind of start panicking, thinking, "Oh no, have we, have we been, you know, caught out here?" So then they start getting up. But Mr. White obviously then doesn't. He just takes his ear out and he displays it straight. So I thought that was quite good. So not much action and action happening in that bit. I liked the bit afterwards, you know, with the chase and everything. I thought that was really good, but I, I quite enjoyed that bit the, the surveillance bit, so it's probably not as exciting as some of the other scenes that we've picked out in previous films, Andy, but I, I quite enjoyed that one. It was something different, I think. What about you, Andy? What was your favorite scene?
1: So I'd put that one, probably as my second favorite. Like I said, it was it was more of a dramatic setting, and I think the whole the whole way it played out with the villains commu- the villains <coughs> the whole way it played out with the villains communicating with each other whilst in plain sight. I thought was really really cleverly done, but I just picked another scene over the top of it, and that's uh, just after the opening credits. There is the reveal that Craig Mitchell is actually a villain. He starts shooting, and then he legs it, and Bond chases after him. So there's a foot race kind of through the tunnels. And then over the rooftops and, and that while all the while this is going on, there's the the horse race in in the is it, is it Siena in Italy? I think it is. There's this kind of a horse race, which I'm assuming is a famous horse race. I'm not I'm not too familiar with it, but it was a, a very memorable scene. And then it turns you know, there's this foot chase going on at the same time and then they join into the horse race, they're shooting, there's there's mayhem. It's uh it's just really well done and then it culminates in a, a fight scene between the two. Um, Just the whole sequence, I thought, was was really, really cleverly done, packed full of action. Um, And so, yeah, that one edged it for me. So, another question we ask each week. Jay, how many times did you reach for your phone while watching this?
0: So, Andy, I, I was naughty in this episode, so I think I've had quite a few episodes now where I've had zero times reaching for the phone. This time, it was three. And... I remember writing the notes and I remember thinking I will explain to Andy why it was those three. Now, obviously, it's a few days after we've written the notes and I completely forgot what they were. I can't remember if football was on and I was checking the score or my daughter has TikTok on her phone now and she keeps constantly sending TikTok videos about food or something else. But I know it wasn't Bond-related. It was totally not Bond-related. But it was three times, and it was spread out through the film. So it was, it was you know, look at the phone. So I, I did something. But it wasn't for long. It was only for, like, a minute tops. But, yeah, it was. I struggled a bit, Andy, with this one, if I'm honest. So, yeah, I did get distracted. How about you? Were you disciplined?
1: I was disciplined, yeah. I went for the phone precisely zero times. Um, what well, I will say, though, just going back to your point around your reasons for reaching for your phone, it did sound like you were setting up a quiz question there, like which one of these statements may be true <laughs> in terms of here are the possible reasons why I reach for my phone. Uh, but no, I um, I stuck with it, watched it through uninterrupted, um, and maybe I enjoyed, enjoyed it more for that. I guess there's one way to find out, and that's to talk about the all-important rating. Jay, do you want to start? What was your rating out of 10 for Quantum of Solace?
0: I gave Quantum of Solace a respectable 6. So obviously we'll talk about rankings later on in terms of where that drops at the 22 films that we've watched so far. So I think 6 is fair. So what about you, Andy?
1: A slightly more generous 7. I would say I enjoyed it more than I remembered first time round. I had in in my mind that this was the the craig film to forget but actually i was pleasantly surprised so uh seven out of ten i think is a good score for me so we've had your opinion we've had mine um what about your wife what was her opinion of this film
0: so when she wasn't on her phone so she was on her phone quite a bit she, she stayed awake for this film but i think her points are very valid andy so i don't know what you thought when you saw these notes so she felt it was like a sequel to Type Loose Ends from Casino Royale. And you are going to mention this, obviously, in a bit, that it, it takes place, doesn't it, pretty much straight away after Casino Royale. So you can see why. I think, Andy, is this the one one of the few times it is a sequel? I, I think back to maybe On a Majesty's Secret Surface and Diamonds Are Forever, uh, kind of like One Film Ends and Connery and Diamonds Are Forever is you know, after Blofeld because of Tracy dying. I don't know if you class that. You know, in terms of, like, it continuing over two films. But apart from that, you know, what I just mentioned, I can't think of any other instances where it's directly pretty much a continuation of the previous film. Yeah,
1: I think that's a good point. I would I would go as far as to far as say that wasn't... That doesn't count as a sequel because it didn't necessarily continue the story. Although it does refer to elements from previous films. So the way the way I view it and you know feel free to jump in and correct me and listeners out there feel free to correct me if you think otherwise. I feel like films 1 to 20 were a continuation of the timeline but not necessarily a, a continuation of the story. I think they are 20 separate stories running one after the other whereas I think for Casino Royale then Quantum of Solace it is a continuation of the story. That's how I would differentiate. But uh, <clears throat> I'm happy to be proven wrong if if people think otherwise.
0: No, I, f- I think that's fair enough from my point of view, Andy, but we, we've we obviously got some Bond super fans out there. Maybe they would disagree. But carrying on with the Wise verdict. so, she, you know, she mentioned that. She also said it. there was very little substance to the film. And she said if it was a book, it would be more like a novella. And... I don't know what you think of this, Andy, but I made a note of this as well. So she said, we're singing you know, singing from the same hymn sheet here, she said there were too many chases, and she pointed out that we had car chases, planes, boats, and at least one foot chase. So I don't know what your thoughts on that is. Considering the length of the film that we're gonna talk about in a minute, there seem to be a lot of chases.
1: Hard to argue that, I would say. I don't know if... Can you have too many? I guess you can. Let's... Briefly thinking back to previous films, would we say there was one chase per film? or Certainly one memorable one. Whereas, like you said, there's, there's probably at least three or four in this. So, uh, yeah, that's probably... I'd say that's a valid point.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, you... One or two, like you said, probably one main centrepiece in terms, of like, a big boat chase or a big ski chase and then there might be one smaller one but this one it just felt like chase 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 so in terms of bringing the story along in terms of like the narrative and the plot it didn't seem like there was much to it and like the missus said little substance so a lot of action but not much substance behind it that was obviously her fault and obviously me and you gave it six and seven respectively at of 10 and TikTok viewers out there have obviously voiced their disagreement andy with some of our ratings as well so obviously it's very subjective
1: it is indeed we are we are not the official bond raters although if you're looking for the leading source of bond, bond film rating podcasts i'd say we're probably in the top one uh so forget the others out there i, I joke of course um but no, it's, it's good to get that level of engagement, and it's good to get diff- different opinions. Uh, my wife, just out, of, um, just for reference, is still not watching Bond films yet. I did mention in previous episodes I'm going to try and get her to watch the last one. I'm probably going to try and twist her arm for Skyfall as well, because I, I just think she'll enjoy it, whether she knows it or not yet. I don't know. I just think that's the one for her. She, she did watch, and I, I believe I mentioned this prior, she did watch Casino Royale with me a long time ago, sort of, in that she kept falling asleep and was a bit disinterested, and uh, so she remembers some elements of it, but my thinking was, if she's going to miss one of the Craig films, this will be the one to miss. But uh, to be confirmed, let's see what happens in the coming weeks, but uh, I will do my best to to get her involved with Skyfall for next week's episode. Uh, Let's uh, take a few more facts before we move on. So the runtime was one hour 46 and that's massively down from last week certainly seems short uh, i've got a feeling i know where it's going to come in the rankings we'll we'll, we'll talk later on but that uh, seems against the grain in terms of what we've had in recent weeks so a very short bond film released in 2008 and was directed by mark forster
0: and now you know our usual Usual listeners will, you know, recognise what we usually talk about here, and we're talking about some general points before we kind of get into the film, and various other elements that we like to talk about. But I always like to kick off with the budget and the box office stats. So let's look at the budget. So the budget for Quantum of Solace was two hundred and thirty million, and that is surprisingly a franchise high so far, and it's a massive increase on. Of 128 million on Cas- Casino Royale, so Casino Royale only came out two years earlier, but they've added 128 million dollars on that budget, which seems very significant. I think in terms of our scores, and obviously we're going to look at the rankings later on. But our you know our listeners will remember that me and Andy both scored Casino Royale high, a lot, quite high. So when you think about it it's put an extra 128 million in in the budget but I think the quality has dropped quite a lot compared to Casino Royale. In terms of box office stats at the time it was 591.7 million worldwide and that means when you adjust it to now you know today's money is about 795.3 million which is a drop of 55 million dollars compared to Casino Royale. So they're putting 128 million but they've actually took fifty five million less, which isn't. I'm not business or um, dealing with finance on a day to day, Andy. But even you know, from my limited experience of investments and return, that is not good business, Andy.
1: Hard to argue that. I mean, clearly they've made a profit. That's that's good news. But re- real terms, they've they've not really made much more. And like you said, that's a huge increase in in budget. So the return on investment proportionally is obviously much lower um, and I wonder if this extra 128 million is to account for all the chase scenes and uh, all the mayhem that they tend to cause so that that might explain some of that a uh, couple, couple more points just to uh, add to that there's no Q Branch again, and indeed no Q so this is two films in a row, Craig's Bond doesn't visit Q, doesn't use any Q's gadgets does Q Branch even exist at this point? I don't know if it's even mentioned. Um, so really, uh, really surprising, and you know, one of the key elements of Bond missing. And up to Quantum of Solace, so to this point, it's the only Bond film, the only Bond film since Goldeneye, not to have a title sequence by Daniel Kleinman, and only the third not to have a title sequence designed by either Kleinman or Morris Binder, the, the others being from Rush With Love and Goldfinger from back in the 60s.
0: And another kind of unique point, really, for Quantum of Solace is up until this point in the franchise, this is the only film that does not feature a romance between Bond and the main Bond girl. I think they might share a kiss, but there's no kind of um, boogieing around. So that that's quite unique as well.
1: Yeah, I think a kiss is as far as it goes. You're right.
0: Mm. Yeah. Sounds familiar, I'm afraid. But anyway moving on cuz my wife listens to this podcast so I best not you know mention any more about bedroom activities or lack of but let's carry on moving so the new director to the bond franchise foster has previously directed Monsters Ball Finding Neverland and he's also directed World War Z and Christopher Robin and out of those four films Andy I've seen all four and I really like Finding Neverland and World War Z Christopher Robin was not bad, and obviously Monsters Ball with the Bond link with Jinx and Harry, Halle Berry winning an Oscar for that, if I'm not mistaken. A little nod there, you know, relationship. Have you seen any of those films, Andy, or...?
1: I've seen three, three of the four. Yeah, I've seen uh, Monsters Ball, Finding Neverland, World War Z. We should probably call it World War Z, shouldn't we, <laughs> in, being in the UK? But it's, it was called World War Z. I don't want to offend any, anyone with Z in their name, like uh, like a Jay-Z for example, but no, Christopher Robin is the one I've not seen, uh, which is surprising because I'm, I'm sure it's of that list. It would be the one my wife would want to see the most, so uh I've missed a trick there, haven't I?
0: Yeah, and World War Z or Z, I think was a was a really good film. I enjoyed that, and I was when we were writing up these notes. I did a good bit of googling this because I always remember that there was supposed to be a sequel to that, but it always. Never kind of happened, and as doing the research for this, I found then found an article to basically say, yeah, they knocked it on the head. They were trying to do it, but then things kept coming up, and then they knocked it on the head. So, yeah, it, it never happened, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, see, the problem there was starting at the end of the alphabet, because where do you go from there? <laughs> if it was World War A, there would have only 25 sequels. Uh, but uh, he's made a bit of a goof there, hasn't he? And speaking of goofs, nice transition, see what I did there. Let's talk about some of the goofs and continuity errors of Quantum of Solace so the first one when Bond follows Camille to Crean's place on the docks you can see there's a road sweeper in the background sweeping fresh air uh, I didn't pick that one up actually so that's a, that's a good spot um, from you there Jay the second one this is one I did pick up and I had to kind of question it in my own mind but I'm pretty sure I'm right here so at the end of Casino Royale Bond is, you know, the very last scene, he's wearing a three-piece suit when he takes Mr. White. Uh, Quantum of Solace, which begins basically minutes later, it's it's directly following on from Casino Royale, Uh, Bond is wearing a completely different suit. So at what point did he think it was necessary to wear a completely different suit? Another note, which is a little bit later on, but I'll mention it now just because it ties in nicely. Daniel Craig has much longer hair um so they've they've clearly not take taken note of his hairstyle from casino royale because his hair is noticeably longer and if you're going to go for continuity you've got to you've got to cut the hair so it's the same but for me it was um yeah it was egregious
0: i agree andy and you know i'm losing my hair by the minute whereas daniel craig is growing his by you know minutes but i always think and i'm going off topic slightly here andy You know, with TV programs where, you know, you might have a a season with 20, 13 episodes and the season ends with a cliffhanger, but then season two starts within the same scene and you think, oh, I wonder they just recorded it all at the same time. So, you know, make sure like you are saying about haircuts are the same people's weights, the same, or do they basically, oh yeah, we've got another season. Let's, you know, try to reenact this bit. So it's seamless. I always wonder what they do with those. I
1: guess it would depend on whether you know you're going to have a sequel or a following season. Because I guess you could, you could have the danger of filming the scenes that follow on and then being cancelled and never get to show them, so you've wasted your money. Or on the flip side, you leave it, find out you've got an extra season, and then you've got to, you've got to add to the budget with hairstyle stylists and uh, tailors and personal trainers and such to get them back into previous shape. I'd imagine that's how it works anyway.
0: And Andy, going back to the continuity error where you said about the the road sweeper, I knew about this before I um, watched the film. So as it was happening, I said, wife, obviously I called her by her name. I said, wife, look in the back at this bit. There's a a road sweeper sweeping fresh air. And I saw it, but the wife, I think, I don't know if she was looking or she was on the phone, but I had to wind it back and then it happened. And she was like, how does that even happen? I said, I don't know. I said... I don't know why, as a road sweeper, even if they're thinking about sound, you know, while they're recording the dialogue, surely sweeping wouldn't make much noise. Anyway, after doing, watching the film and then writing the notes up, Andy, that is happening in at least one other film because I found it on Twitter of someone showing the James Bond one, but in another film, there's someone, I don't know if it's road sweeping. I, think it, I remember seeing Pretending to Eat so they basically had the food on the fork still bring it to the mouth and then take it away with the food on the fork still you know in the background but yeah i thought that was um yeah i thought it was funny
1: Rainbow.
0: moving on so we've got the opening scene and this is a bit before all the music so this is usually when we talk about the barrel, but the barrel sequence isn't actually in the usual place it's actually at the end so we're going to move over this bit now and pick that up later on. So the opening scene is, as Andy mentioned, you know, continuing on from Casino Hell. So we're in Italy still. And when this first scene happened, Andy, I don't know what you thought of my note here. And I can't remember which Jurassic Park film it is. There's a Jurassic Park film where the camera kind of comes in from the ocean. And you kind of see like the island. And it all looks honky dory there's a little, there's a family playing on the beach and the kid walks, starts walking off to more of the jungle bit and then the little dinosaurs are there. When that shot was happening, because it comes in slowly and you can kind of see the island or you can see the land. I thought that reminds me of Jurassic Park, but obviously it's not because then you've got car chase and everything.
1: I didn't think that at the time, but when I saw your note, it was like, ah, oh, yeah, he's, he's making a good point there. Um,
0: I don't want to be uh,
1: too simplistic, but it was very cinematic, wasn't it? which I guess is the whole point of a film. But I hope you know what I mean by that, that it was it was very much, it's one of those scenes that works in the cinema. You wouldn't shoot something like that for TV, in in my opinion.
0: No, and it, it was, I thought it was quite good because it was very slow and then it obviously started zo- going into where the actually car chase was happening. So I think it was well directed, this film.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're straight into the action. We're we're in the midst of a car chase. Obviously, we're we're picking up straight from where Casino Royale left off. As mentioned, uh, Bond is being chased by some goons. It's a very short scene. Uh, there's, um, you know, a lot that goes on. A lot of crashes. There's guns being fired. Uh, Bond's Aston Martin is an absolute mess by the time he pulls up in Siena because of the just the nature of the scene. I think he has he's got he's missing a door. There's scratches and when it's, it's it's a real mess. And then he finally gets away. He pulls into the city or village of Siena, opens the boot, and then we see that Mr. White is in the boot, so he's kidnapped him, put him in the boot, and taken him away. And that's the end of the opening scene. And I thought it was very, very short. I didn't time it, but I bet it was less than five minutes.
0: Yeah, and did you remember that this film continued straight afterwards? Because it was only when he opened the boot to see Mr. White then I thought, oh yeah, it's directly afterwards.
1: I didn't remember that it was directly afterwards, as in, you know, same day, same hour or whatever it's supposed to be. I knew there was a continuation. But yeah, it was at that point where he's in the boot that I'm thinking, oh, he's obviously got him from when we saw him last. Because otherwise, he's gone to see him, he's shot him in the leg, then he's left him for a bit (laughs) and then gone back however many weeks or days later, which wouldn't make sense. But it would give him time to grow his hair. (laughs)
0: <laughs> True. so now we're in the opening title sequence with the music so this is the first duet for a bond theme song so as mentioned earlier it's performed by jack white and elisa key so jack white also wrote the the song and david arnold returns to the franchise for the last time so arnold has composed five films in total five bond films should i say in total and jack white so he's best known for being the lead singer and guitarist of the white stripes and white has won numerous awards including 12 grammys so andy i need to make a confession here as part of the research of you know doing for this episode i've I've obviously heard of jack white and the white stripes however i didn't realize that the person in the white stripes with him which i think is meg white was his wife i always thought they were brother and sister and then, <laughs> and then the sister didn't want the limelight, so he went on his own. So it was only when I was googling it and doing the research and I said, "Oh, it said he's married to Meg White, and now he's married to someone else." Oh, oh, I think he might even be divorced again. And yes, yeah, so I never knew that. So <laughs> yeah.
1: I feel like I'm finding out this information right now, live on air, because <laughs> I, when you were talking, I was like, "Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna say, oh, I've just found out that they're brother and sister," because that's exactly what I thought as well. <laughs> So I am in shock. Um, if this was a video podcast, there would just be me open mouth stunned. And they were, <laughs> I I honestly thought they were brother and sister as well. So there you go. Every day is a school day.
0: Yeah, unless he married his sister. <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know if that's legal in all <laughs> states of
1: America. But if there are any rednecks out there who have married their sister, please you know, feel free to contact us and congratulations on your uh, nuptials to uh, your sibling (laughs) probably offended god knows how many christians or whatever with with that we'll we'll cut that out Uh, so he didn't so he didn't um duet with his wife slash sister he duetted with alicia keys like you mentioned Uh, alicia herself has sold over 90 million records worldwide won 15 grammy awards it's not competition but you know it's 15 12 for those keeping count Uh, interesting Little bit of information, and I think I knew this in the back of my mind. I knew there was a connection with Amy Winehouse, but Amy Winehouse and Mark Ronson actually recorded a demo song for the film, but nothing came of it due to Winehouse's legal issues. I think there was um, there was a documentary recently we watched about the music of Bond, and I remember the talk of Barbara Broccoli meeting Winehouse, and it sounded quite sad. I thought the way that she seemed very distracted. She was apparently she was apparently interested, taking loads of notes. And then she left the notebook and Barbara Buckley opened the notebook and she'd just been writing the word Blake over and over again, not actually writing notes. That was a kind of a standout to me. So that's kind of one of those what-could-have-been uh, moments there. Uh, let's get back into the film proper. So once the the title sequence is over, we're back in Italy. We're about an hour after the conclusion of Casino Royale, as mentioned, and you know, Bond is in his, his suit and he's got his long hair. Longer hair, not long hair. Mr. White is about to be interrogated. We see M talking to Bond about Vesper and what happened at Casino Royale. Bond comes across as kind of cold, distant, hiding his feelings, you might say. Would you agree with that, Jay?
0: I, I agree with that, Andy. That's a good ob- observation. Bond, yeah, the the whole Daniel Craig um, interpretation of Bond. Yeah, I, I don't know. We can pick that up another time. But yeah, it's, it's obviously that he's still... It's obvious that he's still hurting from Vesper. But then if this is set an hour later, it's obviously fresh. And it's not, what is it, two years difference in time in terms of film release. So you can, you know, it is still very much raw. So you can understand that. So M threatens Mr. White with torture. And Mr. White is laughing and it starts, starts to taunt M. He says something along the lines of, oh, you know, our organisation has been worrying. We're thinking the intelligent agencies are closing in on them. And he then, like, he's having a bit of a... I think he's chuckling, isn't he? And he's saying, like, basically, you you guys haven't got a clue um, who we are kind of thing.
1: Yeah, he's... Um, he feels like he's, like, in control. I think at one point he even laughs, you don't even know we exist. So there's there's clearly something going on that M and Bond and the the gang are clueless to
0: yeah yeah, definitely and then he even says something like we've got people everywhere and then he kind of like looks at um, Grant and Phil's brother Craig and Craig then Craig Mitchell then jumps into action and it turns out he's obviously a double agent and then we see M make a, a quick escape here as well Andy
1: we do and i have a question and we talked about this briefly before we started recording but i'm going to mention it again even if it does make me sound like an idiot does she get shot because i thought she got shot and was retreating wounded but then i don't think it's ever mentioned or even referenced so she can't have been but i thought she was tell tell me what's going on here Jay? am i going crazy
0: i don't think you're going crazy andy I think when there's that bit where Mitchell tries to shoot and she's kind of like I don't know if she's ducking or hobbling but she's kind of like near the wall and trying to make her escape so you could say she's kind of bent over because she's got shot or wounded but obviously you know in a few minutes we're going to talk about the next scene there's there's no sign of injury or anything is there and no mention of that like you said so i think it is probably just a near miss and she's she's just looking after number one there she's just trying to escape whereas obviously it prompts bond into action and we we get this this chase that you like my note here is we are treated to a good chase so andy this is the one that you've enjoyed isn't it with the, the actual chase it is indeed yeah so a lot of your favourite scenes, Andy, my fo- my voice went quite high-pitched then, so a lot of my your favourite scenes from memory are always, not, not all the time, but seem to be quite early on in films.
1: Uh, yeah, I like to I like to peek early and then peter out <laughs> as, as time goes on. <laughs> Story of my life.
0: <laughs> so, as Andy mentioned uh, earlier, this involves, like, you know, the Mitchell escaping, Bond is ch- chasing him through the cave system, then... As Andy mentioned earlier, you've got the running across the horse track. There's a, the trace on top of the buildings. Then Bond and Mitchell f- fall through some kind of glass ceiling. And then there's some scaffolding as well. And then eventually Bond ends up killing Mitchell. And then when Bond returns, we can see that Mr. White has escaped. So he's out there somewhere.
1: Yes, yeah, it's, nice, it's a nice scene that is. I think it's uh, a good way. Uh, that would have been a good opening scene as a, as a cold open. But I think it was a good, good second scene. The music, but from Italy, we're we're back to London. Uh, Bond and M are in Mitchell's apartment. There's like a CSI type crew there, aren't they? Just dusting for prints and going through everything. And there doesn't seem to be any leads. M's flustered. Uh, she said Mitchell passed all the regular security checks. I think she said she'd been a bodyguard for so many years, and you know, clearly nothing would suggest that he is the double agent that he clearly is. And we see. That uh, this is back in MI6, we see some operatives. They're using kind of snazzy IT equipment, and it's kind of like a touchscreen table type thing, isn't it? Where they're they're going through some marked bills, some marked notes, and um, they say, "Oh, we found this marked note," and then make some comment. "Oh, well, you probably find one in my purse because they're that all over the place." But then it leads them down this this path to to a lead in Haiti on the, the back of these marked notes and that's where we're off next and Jay you can pick it up from there
0: so now we're in Haiti and Bond follows up the lead now and he has a fight with Edmund Slate in the hotel room and my note here was Slate is no match for Bond and Bond dispatches Slate with ease and quickness
1: that's very succinctly put I'll give you my exact notes Because I think the time it took me to write this Is probably the same amount of time <laughs> as the scene lasted <clears throat> So this is it, word for word, what I wrote Bond goes to find Slate Bond finds Slate Bond fights Slate, Bond kills Slate And that That is the scene It's its a nice little fight scene, don't get me wrong It's um, its pretty brutal, but it's, it's over before it begins Really uh, From there Bond leaves the hotel uh, he's picked up by a beautiful lady in a car. I think she she just pulls up next to him and says, "Get in," and uh, he, he does. Um, and he makes some some remark during this journey that Bond he doesn't have any friends. He make, I can't remember exact words, but he makes some remark that he doesn't have any friends.
0: He does. She, I can't remember which which one of the two notices the that they've got someone following, but she says one of your friends or he's one of your friends and he that's when he says he doesn't have any friends so you know as i just mentioned they're being followed and it comes to light that slate was actually hired to kill camille and then obviously you know he opens a suitcase and sees the photo and the gun and camille tries to kill bond as well thinking that he's obviously slate because he's obviously taking his place but bond manages to escape and then the the goon on the motorbike comes up and bond basically just knocks kind of like the is it he knocks the bike so it, the bike goes flying, or did he just knock the the, the rider?
1: I, I don't. Does he like kick his leg from under him or something that makes yeah. the the bike spin? Yeah, yeah it's uh, it, it looks like a, an elaborate uh, soccer tackle for our American listeners or football tackle as we would call it in uh, in normal English.
0: We then see we so we're introduced to the main villain of Quantum of Solace and Dominic Green, as Andy mentioned at the top of the pod. And Green is played by a French actor and director, Mathieu Amoric And he's appeared in numerous French films, and I've only seen a handful of French films um, before, and he's not in one of any of those. But interestingly, he's he's actually worked with Spielberg and Wes Anderson as well.
1: Quite the uh, the resume. I don't know if there's a French word for resume. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's, it's it's quite the CV he's got anyway. Uh, Bond is keeping an eye on him, he's kind of surveilling the scene and uh, he goes up to one of the guards and he leaves his business card and we see the business card is for Universal Exports uh, which uh, made me smile because we've seen Universal Exports in many films but this is the first time in the Craig era that we see him using that Universal Exports cover um, whilst we're here, it's kind of at the, the docks isn't it Camille is taken by General Madrano. Green finds out that Camille's been snooping around Uh, Bond sets off after the general and uses the bike to kind of cross over some boats before transferring to the boat and uh, crashing the boat into the general's boat. That sounded very convoluted. It's a pretty cool scene. Much better watching it than listening to me describe it, that's for sure. Um, But yeah, he he uses this elaborate way of getting onto a boat to crash into the general's boat, and then he saves Camille and escapes.
0: Yeah, and we've got this boat chase here, and This very much reminded me of the Roger Moore era of boat chases because Roger Moore had boat chases and obviously had ski chases, but he was the one bond that I would have said that was you you think of boat chases, you would have said Roger Moore. So Daniel Craig's getting into the action as well. So it turns out that Camille had actually deliberately got herself into that position so she can go um, to kill the general. Now we're on the airplane. So Bond is talking to M and Tanner about Green. M then makes a call to the Americans to say they've got no interest in Green, which is a lie, and M explains why that is to Tanner, which I thought, you know, that's a bit of a drop ball there for Tanner. Surely she <laughs> would have, you know, cotton on why the, you know, there is an interest from the Americans on that. And the Americans are talking to Green and they're working with um, each other. So we get Greg Beam here, and he's the CIA section chief for the South America region. And Beam, when I saw this, Andy, I thought, yes, Beam is played by David Harper. And Harper is obviously featured in numerous roles um, across you know, various TV and film. He's been in Stranger Things, is how I know him, obviously, on Netflix. He's appeared in Black Widow which I've not seen, is on my watch list, Andy, but he's appeared in Suicide Squad. And also, another film I've not seen is he's played Santa Claus, Andy, but it's in a film called Violent Night, so it doesn't sound very Christmassy.
1: Yeah, probably not one for the kids before uh, Santa visits them in the morning, that's for sure. Uh, I've Of those, I've seen Suicide Squad, I don't remember him in that, so uh, clearly I didn't enjoy it as much. But Stranger Things, absolutely love. Fantastic, and he's he's. Really, really good in that. So, yeah, I I too couldn't... I didn't remember that he was in this, so it was pleasant surprise to see him on screen.
0: Andy, I didn't realise that he... When I was looking at his Wikipedia IMDP page, I didn't realise he was being in so many things before Stranger Things. I think Stranger Things, I wouldn't say necessarily say it made him, but I think it's the role that's kind of sparked all these other roles that he's getting.
1: It's... It's the one that stands head and shoulders above all us, uh, others, I think, isn't it? Yeah. I think that's going to open all kinds of doors.
0: And in, uh, in, sorry, and in Suicide Squad, Andy, he's... I don't know what the character's name is, but do you remember the scene where... Ah, oh, the lady... I can't think of what her name is. The lady that basically wants to pull together the Suicide Squad, and she's doing that presentation, and you've got like a bunch of suits on the side of the table... As she's doing that presentation, he's yeah, one of yeah. those suits.
1: Uh, okay, so he's almost background father, isn't he? <laughs> to an extent. <laughs> yeah. But now, stranger thing, and if, uh, just on a personal note, on from here, he's married to Lily Allen, isn't he?
0: He is. Yeah, I didn't know they were married. Yeah. I know that they met on a dating app. Yeah, there you go. Not I Tinder. Was, I was
1: gonna, I was gonna say something really crude when you said I, I was, he's been in lots of other things. I was gonna say, yeah, he's been in Lily <laughs> Allen as well. <laughs> but, I don't know if we'll cut that out or not. I quite like it, but uh, we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll see when it gets to Um Anyway, let's get back on track. Uh, Beam says he will get rid of Bond for Green, and uh, just before this happens, uh, there's a the photo of Bond, and he shows it to Felix, and I'm like, you know, this isn't Felix denies who it is, and uh, Beam just says, oh no, that's James Bond, isn't it? He? He's a secret agent. And uh, you get that kind of, there's a bit of a tension between them, and I, I question my question here was: Is Beam trying to make Felix look bad, or is it just the nature of his character as his well? I don't know, but it just it felt like they were not fully on the same page at this point.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Beam is suspicious. Maybe by passing the photo of Bond to Felix, with Beam knowing it's actually Bond, was to kind of test his loyalty. To say, actually, are you in with us or are you not? And did you know, Andy, that Felix Leiter was supposed to have had more scenes in this film, but they were caught?
1: I did not know that. That's it's uh, a good bit of research you've done there. I like I like this um, I like this version of of Leiter. I think uh, Jeffrey Wright's an excellent actor. We're moving away from from the plane now. We're we're off to the opera. So this is the scene you mentioned as your favourite. He's tracking green, Bond is. Uh, there's he's noticed that there's like goodie bags being given out with with various things in. And he takes care of someone who has that and within the goodie bag is an earpiece. So Bond takes the earpiece. There's quite a I think it's quite an amusing scene where I think he beats him up in the toilet or something, doesn't he? Or the impression is that he's beating him up in the toilet and then he shuts the door and breaks the handle off. Um and then he's he's listening into the conversation. So as you mentioned earlier, he, he climbs up the scaffold in so he can He's kind of behind the stage, isn't he? High up behind the stage. And he's looking at the crowd with the earpiece in. And then the conversation starts happening where the villains are talking about their plans. And uh, Bond interrupts at some point. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he says, but something like you should maybe not meet in such a public place. Um, So obviously everyone knows they've been rumbled. So the aforementioned villains all start standing up and leaving their seats. And at that point, Bond's looking at them. He can see who's leaving their seats and he starts taking photos on his phone when they're leaving so quite cleverly done by bond but i like i said it had a quite a well played dramatic scene i thought
0: yeah definitely and this is the the modified phone andy from the the gadget that you mentioned earlier this is where he's obviously taking photos and tanner isn't it ease up because i think is it M about to get in a bath at this stage but tanner's working late yeah, and Bond, descend, right. yeah, Bond is sending the, the photos and obviously Tanner's running him through the system. So yeah, this is so this is what I said earlier about this is my favourite scene. But I, I also like the bit afterwards. And I like it where Bond obviously then starts walking into the building and he's in the corridor, isn't he? And Dominic Green and his goons kind of like then come on the other side and they kind of just look at each other. Dominic Green does this nod to one of his henchmen Bond then just starts walking down the corridor and then you see him one but it's punctured with scenes from the opera as well and the sound from the opera seems to be amplified compared to the gunshots and Bond chasing so I love how it was keep cutting between the opera scenes which was very dramatic because there was a murder scene in that bit then Bond being chased I thought that was really good. So that, obviously, you know, I mentioned this is my favourite scene, but that bit afterwards was really, really good as well.
1: Yeah, ec- excellent. I really liked that. You're you almost talking me into changing my favourite scene, to be honest.
0: Um, but, yeah, it was it was really, really well done. And then it just carries on. So then Bond lets one of the goons fall off the top. This reminded me of Sandor from The Spy Who Loved Me, isn't it? Do you remember where he's hanging on by the tie, more just, you know? Yeah, yeah. It does does it. does that. That brought up memories of good old Roger Moore, and it turns out he's actually the bodyguard of Guy Haines, who we find out is a, an advisor to the British PM. But the bodyguard survives the fall, and it's Green. Green sends says to one of his henchmen, "Is he one of us, or something like that?" And the henchman says no, and he says like, "Why is he looking at me, or he shouldn't be looking at me?" And then the henchman goes out and just basically shoots him once or twice in the head. And but obviously Bond is then framed for this, and then M finds out, and she revokes all Bond's credentials as well. So because they believe Bond has killed the bodyguard.
1: Yeah, nice scene there. And he he goes to the airport, doesn't he? Tries to get a ticket, everything's been declined, and he says to a woman behind the desk, uh, "You're gonna get a call in a minute. Can you tell him I've gone to Cairo?" Um, and she she agrees because I guess she's taken by Bond and his new long-haired look, um, but. He doesn't go to Cairo. He's off to Italy. Um, and he meets up with Mathis. Uh, they have a bit of a chit-chat. And uh, he says, basically, why don't you come with me? And Mathis agrees to go to Bolivia with Bond to investigate further.
0: Andy, i got one question here. And I didn't write this down in the notes, but I did pose this question to the wife. He says something, doesn't he? He says something like, I'd rather go to Bolivia than put." suntan on her once more or some it's along to those lines doesn't it? he says something about that i said to my wife something like i'd rather put suntan on the woman <laughs> <laughs> i know i mean it's nice sunny villa enjoying the weather and i'm going to be putting suntan lotion on this beautiful woman or i go to a south american country where i might end up dead
1: yeah it's not really uh <laughs> it's not really a hard choice is it i would say I did. I did like the uh, the dynamic between Mathis and uh, was her name Gemma? Uh, I think it was the the lady he was with, and uh, he mentioned she mentioned something about uh, the wine, and he says, well, he, "I can't remember what it says," but she basically has a go at him for for only buying cheap wine. Uh, so it was uh, yeah, nice a nice scene, but uh, maybe he's had enough of her nagging and complaining about the cheap wine. That's why he wants a bit of peace and quiet over in Bolivia, but over in Bolivia. Bond and Mathis are greeted at the airport by someone who introduces herself as Fields. Just Fields, I believe, uh, when she's questioned further. She tells Bond, go back to England, basically. Now, Fields, Strawberry Fields, for uh, to give her a full name, is played by British actress Gemma Arterton. She's since featured in various roles in TV and film, including The King's Man, Rogue Agent, and The Escape, amongst others. Um, and she... Uh, She basically tells him to go back to England and Bond asks when's the next flight and she says it's tomorrow. So, okay, they can go to a hotel then. So off to the hotel they go, um, but Bond, he's not happy with the hotel she's chosen. So they change hotels and they're off to a fancier hotel. And uh, I think they they make some comment about being teachers on sabbatical. And um, she says, well, that's... That's not going to work for our cover when we go to this fancy hotel. So he goes to the fancy hotel and says, "We're teachers on Tabastical and we've won the lottery." Uh, it's uh, it. Re- it took me back to the Casino Royale scene where he's he's got a hotel room under an assumed name, but just tells them that his name's Bond. It's just that kind of that arrogance, that you know, devil may care attitude. Uh, I quite liked it. It's a good scene. But at the hotel, it's not long before Bond has seduced Fields. He's he's back to his old ways. And she just goes along with it, just like Bond girls did back in the old days.
0: And he uses such a, he's not even a cheesy chat up line. He basically says something along the lines of, something about stationery, doesn't he? Yeah, he says, he's, he's,
1: like in, he's in the bedroom, isn't he? He's like, oh, can you come and help me look for the stationery? Something yeah.
0: ridiculous like that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I said to the wife, oh yeah, that would work, wouldn't it? But I suppose for Bond, it, it obviously does. So, Arterton won an Empire Award for Best Newcomer for her role as Strawberry Fields. And, Andy, I don't know if you picked up on this, but Strawberry Fields isn't... Her first name isn't actually mentioned in the film, is it?
1: I, I don't think it is. I knew her name was Strawberry Fields, but she only ever introduced herself as Fields, does not she?
0: Yeah, so she's only you only see her first name in the credits as Strawberry Fields.
1: Obviously, a, a, a Beatles fan must have named her. Um, we see James and Strawberry. See that? When you put, if I call them Bond and Fields, that sounds good, but let's call them James and Strawberry. Yeah, James and Strawberry and Camille and Green, they're at a fundraiser later on. My question here, and again, this, this may be something I've either misremembered or I'm just thinking it in the wrong way, but why is Camille even there or how did she get there? Because if you think of it from Dominic's perspective, he must have invited her because it's a guest list type thing because there's a scene in the in the hotel where Mathis gives on the invite says you've been invited to a party. So Camille must have been invited. And this is after he's tried to kill her and after she's tried to kill the general and all the other stuff that's been going on. So I just found it very strange that she would even
0: be there in the first place. I, I agree. Unless she had an invite before it all kicked off and they were just very poor in terms of housekeeping and had not updated the list... She's she's there, isn't she? Just to keep that connection to try to get back to the general, because she doesn't have an in, does she, with the general, unless it's via Dominic Green?
1: I think that's it. Yeah, and the way she's acting is, she's she's like she's acting like she's still his girlfriend, even though she's she's pissed off at him. So it's yeah,
0: it's, it's weird. She it's an, a- antagonizes him, doesn't she? Doesn't because he's doing some spill about something that his company's done and then she comes in and said oh yeah you made billions or millions from that didn't you by doing xyz and then he kind of ushers her away
1: yeah he's she's made him look stupid in front of some very important people
0: yeah and then then i think it's pretty much straight away actually with this bit green and camille go to um i don't know if you call it a balcony there's a there's a up this up the stairs and there's a bit overlooking and camille kind of cotton's on that oh are you gonna like knock me over the wall but he he does kind of push and the wall kind of gives in a little bit but obviously doesn't fall and she looks a bit startled there but then bond comes to the rescue and there's a little chit chat here between green and bond and i know we we do the quotes on one liners later but i think this is a good opportunity to kind of capture this one and this involves a, a little sassy exchange and green goes my friends call me dominic and then Bond says, "I'm sure they do," and I thought that was good because he's just not messing about, and he's like, "Yeah, whatever," kind of thing. He's just not scared as well at all. And then Bond and Camille goes, and then Elvis is coming down the stairs, and Fields just kind of trips him, and as he falls to the bottom, his hairpiece comes up a bit, doesn't he? Uh, doesn't it?
1: I think so. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, he's. Uh, he's a bit of a clown isn't he in this <laughs> so. yeah he is
0: yeah and Bond and Camille leave and then shortly um, are stopped by the police and then this is where we see Mathis has actually been dumped in the boot and he's, and then he's been shot by the police so I had a question here did Bond use Mathis as a human shield here because he got beaten up and dumped but I don't believe he's been stabbed or shot beforehand I think it might have just been a beating but he's near death and then as he's getting him out, it seems like Bond because I think one of the policemen say he's alive or something like that. And then Bond kinda seems to use him as a as a human shield. I think he does.
1: I don't know I don't know how intentional it is.
0: I mean, I don't know how he can
1: accidentally some use someone as a human shield, but do you know what I mean? Just the kind of how he lifts him out of the boot, it's kind of he falls that way. It's not is he doesn't have to like spin round a one eighty or anything. I don't think it's that extreme.
0: But yeah, he clearly does use him as a human shield, doesn't he? Yeah, this reminded me and you might remember the film better than me. The scene where Bond is dancing with the one of the villain's women, hench women, woman, and they're dancing and then he one of the goons goes to shoot Bond the body's placed in between and then he covers up the bullet hole and then he says some kind of one-liner to say you know when he puts her down like she's dead on her feet or something like that do you remember that bit i can't remember which film that is i
1: can't remember which film i'm pretty sure it's connery though isn't it
0: i want want to say
1: thunderball but i could be wrong so i'm just going to say it was one of the connery films
0: and then you know just as this happened you know if he uses mathis as a human shield or not anyway regardless of that bond then see him in the bin and then he says something like Mathis won't mind or wouldn't care or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting juxtaposition. This because I think Bond is genuinely sad that Mathis is dead, but very quickly realizes he's just got to get on with it. And like I said, just coldly puts him in the bin and it's back to business sort of thing. So it's a it's a nice little scene, but also shows a, a little bit of Im- a little bit of emotion from Bond, but then also that cold, nasty streak that he that he needs. So uh, I, I quite like that.
0: I wonder, as Mathis is lying in the boot of the car, slowly dying, he was thinking, oh, I should have stayed in Italy to put suntan lotion on that beautiful lady.
1: He could have been drinking cheap wine, cheap rubbing wine, suntan yeah. lotion on, <laughs> on Gemma. I've called her Gemma. I mean, her name might not be Gemma, I just remember as Gemma. So, but that's that's what I'm calling her. But yeah, things could have been very, very different for Mathis. Rest in peace. Uh, shortly after you know, Bond and Camille they they need to escape so he pays for a plane and they not long after they're attacked and shot down by a fighter plane i think if if this um, is me remembering it correctly whilst they're in the plane kind of trying to get things get it off the ground he mentions something or camille mentions something that the guy's going to sell him out anyway and as it's take as the plane's taking off you see the scene from inside the hangar and the guy's already on the phone the implication being he's not they've not even taken off and he's already Sold them out, so that was uh, that was quite a nice touch. Uh, they do manage to escape. They jump out, and uh, Camille's got a parachute on. They they kind of get together, and they manage to pull the cord just before they land in the uh, kind of the sinkhole, of the cavern. I thought it was a nice little scene with the planes. A very very rough landing though, because you know it was just in the nick of time. So it was they came down with a bit of a thud, uh, to be honest. Uh, and then in the cave. Uh, they're having a bit of a chat and Camille goes into a bit more detail about why she wants to kill the general so we get to find out a little bit more about her backstory, story and uh, they, they talk a bit about wanting to kill him and uh, about revenge
0: yeah we kind of get the origin backstory there so this is obviously then sh- just as you know Camille's kind of spilled the beans and Bond has also opened up a bit about revenge as well we see Bond discovers Green's master plan and that is to control the supply of water in Bolivia, and they discover a dam in the the cave system. So we we jump to the hotel now, and Bon goes back to his hotel and finds Em in his room. And this is where we get the, the you know the scene that me and Andy both remembered, and this is the the throwback to Goldfinger where Jill Masterson was covered in gold, but unfortunately Field is now covered in oil. And I thought this was good because this was a bit of a red herring because. I thought the oil thing, because the Americans think Dominic Green is looking for oil or diamonds, don't they, in the desert. But obviously he's doing stuff with water. So I think the oil was that kind of a decoy. And because, you know, I have oil supply somewhere, but obviously we know it's actually water. Or oh, I, don't, I don't know. That's what, that was my take from that scene.
1: Yeah, you're right. I, th- I think there's a scene earlier on where they're talking about, I think it's with Beam and uh felix where they they basically say that we'll help you overthrow the government but then whatever you find we get a share of thinking whatever i i took it to mean oil whatever oil you find we the americans we want a piece of that so green's like yeah yeah sure that's fine but then obviously this is when we find out it's nothing to do with oil there isn't any and it is a, it's a red herring so it's uh it's a, a nice layered part of the story i think
0: yeah definitely and we get Bond phones Felix and they meet up in some kind of bar. I don't want to say a dirty bar, but it, it is a bar. And I know we're going to jump a few episodes forward, but this scene kind of reminded me of No Time to Die, where Bond meets Felix in a bar as well. That's right, isn't he? At the near the beginning. You know how it's not uh, yes, dingy, yes. but it kind of like that kind of South American setting. And I'm not saying it's all dingy, but it looked quite woof it's and it's, yeah, sweaty.
1: A kind of a, a dingy Latino bar. There's a very Latin vibe to it.
0: Yes. So the Americans then try to capture Bond, but Felix has given Bond a tip off. And I can't remember what he says. Like, you've got so many seconds. I can't remember what it is. And then we get another chase. And my note here was a lot of chases in this film, which obviously backs up what the wife has said earlier.
1: Yeah, I think he, he says something like, he's got 30 seconds and they have a bit of a chat, and then it's, does he end it with, James, move your ass? Something like that, doesn't it? And then all hell breaks loose. Uh, but from there, we're off to the Bolivian Desert and the hotel that's in the desert. Green and General Madrano are meeting up, discussing their agreement. Green's got some paperwork, and it turns out he wants to charge the general twice as much for the water that they're currently paying. And general's not happy with this, but Green threatens him and says, basically, if you if you don't agree with this, then there'll be plenty of others who will sort of thing. It's uh, it's very much he's, he's got him right where he wants him. You know, Green is Green is holding all, Green is holding all the cards here, uh, so he now controls ninety percent of the water supply in Bolivia. Uh, Medrano, he's not happy, he storms back to his room, and there's a, there's a bit earlier on where a waitress kind of comes to give him a drink, and he says, I'll leave it in my room sort of thing, so when he gets back to his room, the waitress and his drink is there Um, this was quite a disturbing scene, I thought, she's she's wrong place wrong time, and there's talk, there was the talk earlier that Camille and Bond had in the cave, where there the, what General did to her family and now he is clearly trying to rape her, I think he he, he ties her hands behind her back, doesn't he? He's being very forceful. I I thought it was quite a disturbing scene. Now it didn't go graphic. It didn't. You know there was. You know well, there was a bit of an interruption later on because I think Camille comes comes in before it could go further. But I don't remember a scene in any of the Bond films so far that goes that far in terms of distress. There's there's torture scenes, there's violent scenes. This to me, I don't know, it feel it just felt a little bit out of place from what we're used to seeing. I'm not sure how necessary it really was. I think they could it could have been done more implicitly rather than explicitly, I would say.
0: I think, yeah. Um well put there, Andy. The only thing I think I can think of that is distressing was on a top when she killed the um I think it was the helicopter pilot. Do you remember? Because that was the first kind of sex scene on camera. You know where he crushes, she crushes him.
1: Yeah, and I'm probably being double standards by saying I somewhat disagree. I understand what you mean. Obviously, it's the other way. I'm I'm not saying woman on man and violence is better than man or woman violence, but I think in in that particular scenario, up until the point of his death, I think he was he was up for it. Yeah. This this was just blatant sexual abuse, and uh, I don't know. Just it it felt uncomfortable.
0: No, I, I agree, Andy, and I think the only time it's obviously at the, in the earlier bonds, you know, Connery liked to slap around the odd Bond girl, which I know this is exactly anywhere they the same. But you're right, it's yeah, it could have been more implied, opposed to what what we saw. Yeah,
1: but um like i said camille comes along and and saves the day eventually so it doesn't get to the point where it, it could have got to but um yeah but around around this sort of time sort of in parallel bond and Camille are, are getting ready to to get into the complex so they're in the desert they're they're discussing the kill basically and uh Bond I wrote this down as a quote Bond says you only need one shot make it count and I thought is he being Eminem is he, he's been watching 8 mile in the lead up to this to kind of psych himself up for it is like, you only need one shot do not miss your chance to blow this opportunity comes once in a life
0: I think that was a fantastic note what well, I wonder what year 8 mile came out compared to this film
1: I want to I want to say 2002 I'm going to say 2002 and then I'm going to consult my google machine uh, other search engines are available, of course. If you're a fan of Bing or Yahoo, don't know if Jeeves is still working. I used to him back in the day, didn't you? Yeah. Um, I can't spell eight Mile." Number eight. That's. I'll do it. Right. Uh, two thousand two. Yes. Point to <laughs> me.
0: Good memory. So maybe they they copied Eminem because this obviously came out six years. Was it two thousand eight? Six years later so moving on so this is a cool sequence here where green is yeah so this one i really liked it's, it's nowhere near my favorite it's pretty much one or two shots and it's where green is running away from bond and green gets elvis to stand still to obviously stop bond coming and then there's an explosion but the camera is kind of like the screen's kind of split into two and you see like the bond bit and then green and he kind of gets flung with the explosion i thought that was really cool that bit um and then there's two fights happening at the same time we've got bond versus green and then camille versus the general as well so i thought that was pretty good how they did that
1: yeah it was it was really well done this the explosion part i said was was really cool i as i was watching this i thought that's that's some huge explosions and then when i saw the note about how much budget was i'm thinking well that explains (laughs) that then doesn't it um my, my note about the fight scenes, I thought generally they were very well done. But I thought Green was too much of a match for Bond. I thought, considering their characters, I would have thought Bond would dispatch him pretty easily. Because Green didn't seem to be the macho, violent type.
0: I totally agree. Not once up until that point there was any kind of intimidation from a physical point of view from Green. But yeah, he obviously he didn't hold his own. But it was he put more of a res- resistance than Slate did, and Slate's a hired hitman. Green, up until that point, was more the brains of the operation and leading everything. And then he had people like Elvis to do his work. So yeah, it it just yeah, it didn't sit right with me that end bit.
1: Yeah, I agree. Hold that thought about Elvis for when we get to the rankings. You'll you'll know why
0: so everything kicks off it all goes to kaput bond saves the girl green is left alive because green basically says to but bon, but bon, from memory green tells bond everything and bond then says you know i won't kill you so bond leaves green in the middle of the desert and gives him a can of motor oil which is a kind of a reference well it is a reference to what green did to strawberry fields it is yeah
1: that was uh, a moment of dare i say compassion that he left him alive but the way he left him alive, there was no compassion at all. It was uh, nicely done, I thought. But then from from there, we're off to Russia. Uh, so Bond's gone to Russia to find Vespa's boyfriend, Yousef. Turns out that Youssef has been working with Quantum. His role is is basically to seduce women who have valuable connections, hence Vespa. And in this case, he's got another young lady with him, a Canadian intelligent operative. Uh, Bond points out the necklace that the Canadian... Is wearing is very similar In fact even the same as the one that Vespa got And he shows her Vespers And that obviously makes the uh, The penny drop at that point And the Canadian operative in this instance Is played by uh, Stana Katic Played by Stana Katic Played by Stana Katic Whichever are those correct will edit <laughs> I'm, I'm not um, good with pronunciations um, But she's probably Better known for being one of the main roles In the TV show Castle Um, A particular favourite of my wife's.
0: I haven't seen Castle. But I know who she is. So Yusuf tells Bond to kill him. And we see Bond walking out. Which you kind of think. Oh Bond probably killed him. And M and some MI6 are waiting outside for him. So M tells Bond that Green has been found dead in the desert. With two bullets in the skull. And a motor oil in his stomach. And Bond gives a sly smile doesn't he. At that bit. So. I would assume what happened there is he got thirsty, junked the motor oil, and then I'm assuming quantum people killed him because they found out that he basically told Bond everything that he needed to know. Is how I interpreted that, Andy.
1: Yeah, well, then I'd say that makes sense.
0: So it turns out Bond actually hasn't killed Yusuf. So at the beginning of the film, it's very much about vengeance and. He, he took that piece of information from The Destiny just before M was going to interrogate um, Mr. White, and he's grown within the space of whatever Andy said, 104, well, one hour, 46 minutes. He's grown during this film. So he, he hasn't actually killed Yusuf, and then he drops Vesper's necklace on the ground.
1: Yeah, and I think that brings, brings it full circle, doesn't it, and kind of puts a, a full stop on the end of that. So, then it's the end of the film, but we end with the gun barrel sequence. Um, it's a new gun barrel sequence for Consumer of Solace. Reverting back to the more traditional one, so we, we talked last week about Casino Royale and how they incorporated that into the opening scene, but this is this is your more traditional one just placed at the end. Uh, noticeable that Daniel Craig walks across the screen a lot quicker than any of the other Bond actors, uh, shoots one handed, and the blood comes down quicker too.
0: So, Andy, they're walking across the screen. I'm just chuckling to myself here. So as part of the research, Andy, you know, various times we will look at YouTube, and I've mentioned before, I will look at like the different gun barrel sequences. Might rewatch the opening scene, music, etc., etc. So I rewatched the Daniel Craig walking across the screen thing, and he walked really fast compared to the others. And I thought I read the comments, and someone said, and it got lots of thumbs up, Andy. He walks and turns and shoots exactly on 007. As in 007, so low he were getting low. He or she were getting lots, or they got lots of thumbs up in the YouTube comments, thinking you know the time it was 007, that's why Daniel Craig walked really cross. Then some smart Alec underneath said it actually is 0.006. So then I was just kept playing it and pausing it to get the sound, the timing of the bullet, and it is it's more 0.06 actually when the bullet goes off. But that's that's obviously I've got loads of free time ready that I spend on YouTube just doing this various research in the pod. But I thought if it is why they did 007, I thought that was pretty pretty slick. But he definitely walks across quick. He, like, he needs a wee break and he's just like quickly walking across.
1: Yeah, he's got no time. He's a busy man. Like, we can't be messing around with these gun barrel
0: sequences. And from what I read, I think they did it in two takes. From what I read. So feel free, listeners, if, you know, any super fans out there that debate that or, you know, not even a super fan, a casual fan or whatever's less than a casual fan. Anyway, um, it should be noted as well that the gun barrel sequence was moved to the end of um, of the film after the director cut the final cliffhanger scene. So in the original ending, Bond goes to Guy Haynes' estate and Mr. White is present and then Bond kills Mr. White and interrogates Haynes. So they cut that film out, um, cut that scene out put the gun sequence at the end and as far as i'm aware that scene is not out there in the public domain originally it was going to be included in as a special um, as a bonus in the dvd blu-ray but it never was so i haven't seen it out there and i've done some research but if there's any listeners out there that has access to it feel free to send it to us on our social media accounts and that's it andy from the the film's
1: I think just to your final point around the, the scene being cut, that would give it a very different feel to end, doesn't it? Because the way it ends kind of gives it something of a finality, whereas the scene that you've described would suggest the next film will be a, a further continuation. So there's a, that's two very different ways of ending the film.
0: Yeah, and obviously we're watching these films week by week, and I can't really remember much from the next two films so I don't know whether they ever close off the loop in terms of Guy Haynes because at the moment the Prime Minister's advisor is still alive and out there so unless they kind of include that in a future film which like I said I can't remember or it's a passing comment to say you know we're tied up the loose ends from the opera, you know the opera, opera, opera operation at the moment, as of this film ending, Mr. White and Guy Haynes and the other people in Quantum are still out there. Yeah,
1: that's a good point, actually. Um, and I can't remember off the top of my head as well. Maybe one for a research in the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and listeners, tune in to next week. when you know If it is covered in next week's episode, we find out. If it's not, then listen to the other episode in the fortnight's time and we can yeah, find if out. It's,
1: if it's not covered at all, we forgot all about this.
0: <laughs> i've got yes my mind my memory's going andy so that's my excuse as i'm getting older now the rain one line is in quotes so andy i'm going to kick this section off so as usual i'm not going to try to act to anything so i've got the bit andy actually that you mentioned so this is bond and fields so this is at a shabby motel and bond says what are we doing and Strawberry Fields goes, we're teachers on sabbatical. This fits our cover. And Bond goes, no, it doesn't. I'd rather stay at a morgue. Come on. And then they, they get in a taxi. And they a four-star hotel reception. And then Bond goes, hello, we are teachers on sabbatical. And we've just won the lottery.
1: Hold on one second. Because he doesn't actually say it in English, does he? He says it, I'm assuming, in Spanish. So what he would have actually said... Here we go. This is where I do my uh, my, <laughs> my audition for a, for a foreign speaking part. Get, get ready for this. And uh, apologies for any uh, Bolivian listeners. I'm butchering uh, your version of Spanish. If indeed it is Spanish, because if it's not Spanish, I have to cut this whole thing out, aren't I? But I believe what he says is, "Hola, somos profesores en en año sabbático a e acamba. A acabamos de ganar la de de gana la no. Would we'll you leave that bit out? Try that again. Hola, somos <laughs> profesores a año sabbatico. acabamos de ganar la lotería. Is I believe what he says.
0: That, that is very good, Andy. I would just check in to see what language it is that they speak. And seventy percent of Bolivians speak Spanish. So well, what on. about the
1: other? What about the other thirty? Is that going to be Portuguese or something?
0: I don't know. I just closed Google down. So let's assume that the unless no, unless Andy, you want to basically translate the other thirty percent into all the other languages, dialects that they might speak in Bolivia.
1: Well, if it is Portuguese, and that's just me guessing, um, it's not actually too dissimilar. Uh, Portuguese would be Hola, somos professores em sabbatical e acabamos de ganar na lotaria. We're, we're offending so many international listeners right now. It's unbelievable. Thousands and thousands of hate tweets are coming our way.
0: So I've Googled it and there's a whole list of must be about 30, 40, it says, of official languages in Bolivia.
1: So Spanish is top. What's the, what's the second one?
0: Well, it doesn't even say Spanish. There's load of different names, which I'm guessing is in Bolivian. And there's only one that I can actually read where in brackets it says Spanish all the others i haven't got a clue german is spoken by 160,000 apparently 0.2% is portuguese because of the share of the border with brazil
1: okay so we're we're going to we're going to go with spanish then aren't we i think so andy we'll go with, we'll go with the spanish version but you know some bonus portuguese there for for anyone from brazil or portugal or any other portuguese speaking countries and uh, apologies
0: yeah, there's. Yeah, we we've gone off topic there. So um, anyway, you, it's on to you, Andy. It sounded like a good idea
1: at the time, and then uh, <laughs> I, I'd probably starting a war with South America. Uh, but anyway, next next one is uh, an exchange between Camille and Bond. Uh, Camille says, "So, what's your interest in green?" Bond replies, "Among other things, he tried to kill a friend of mine, a woman. Yes, but it's not what you think. Your mother, she likes to think so."
0: Next one is between M, Bond, and Tanner. M goes, ask him about Slate. Tanner goes, she wants to know about Slate. Bond says, Slate was a dead end. Tanner goes, he says he was a dead end. M, damn it, he killed him.
1: Yeah, I like that. She can read Bond like a book. She knows She knows what his code words mean. That was, that was nicely done. Uh, one more, uh, an exchange between Felix and Beam. Uh, Felix says, uh, you know who Green is and you want to put us in bed with him? And Beam sarcastically replies, yeah, you're right. We should just deal with nice people.
0: So moving on to our next regular segment. And this is just one point here. And this is book versus movie. And Quantum of Solace is a short story written by Ian Fleming, which I didn't know about that until typing up these notes. However, no elements apart from the name of the story was transferred to the film. So this is the third Bond film to do this, the others being The Spy Who Loved Me and A View to a Kill.
1: Before before we move on, I think I've read this because I've read, I've read the short stories and I'm pretty sure that Quantum of Solace* was one of the ones that I've read. And I've mentioned this in a previous episode and I may be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is the one that isn't even about Bond. I think this is the story... Where Bond is telling a story, so he doesn't actually feature in the main part of it. I'm just doing a very quick Google. It's part, so it's part of um, "For Your Eyes Only" collection of short stories, uh, and it's from "A View to a Kill," "For Your Eyes Only," "Riziko," "The Hildebrand Rarity," and "Quantum of Solace." Uh, blah blah blah. Just so, so I won't go into the whole thing because there's a, there's a bit of a blurb here, but basically. Uh, after completing a mission in the Bahamas, Bond is in Nassau and attends a disappointing dinner party. When the other guests have left, Bond remarks that if he ever marries, it would be nice to marry an air hostess. The governor then tells Bond the story of a relationship between a former civil servant and an air hostess. And then it goes on to talk about the story between the civil servant and the air hostess in quite a, little bit, a lot of detail. And then, basically, it ends... That after a time she marries a rich Canadian. The governor then reveals that the dinner companions who Bond found dull were actually the people that he's just talked about in the story. The, bon- the and the final thing is the governor hinting that Bond should have had should have a quantum of solace for what they went through. So it's a story that Bond hears at a dinner party and it has, like I said, nothing to do with it, but I just I, I vaguely remember reading it and the story being nothing to do with Bond, and that's that's kind of where that came from. So there you go.
0: Thank you. That's some live reporting in the field there for our listeners.
1: Yeah, and I knew it was in there somewhere. I just needed to, to fill in the, the details. It's been probably 15, 20 years since I've read the short stories. It was a long, long time ago. But uh, let's let's move away from stories, and let's talk about something a bit more humorous. Do you want to hear one of my world-famous James Bond jokes?
0: I always want to hear one of your famous James Bond jokes. And listeners out there, these are available on TikTok and YouTube.
1: Indeed they are, so prepare yourself for this one. So what is James Bond known as when he's out of the UK?
0: I don't know. What is Bond known as out of the UK? Plus
1: 44007.
0: I think that's funny, Andy, because we are obviously in the UK and we know what plus 44 is. Maybe uh, it goes over our, um, the head of some of our listeners who we know are in America and Europe. And we do have at least one listener in Russia who I always like to think is probably Putin as he's hiding away in his bunker. So plus plus four four is the UK, what would you call it? It's the um, International Dialing Code, isn't it? That's it, International that's Dialing it Code, and, yeah.
1: uh, Hi Vladimir, if you're listening. Thanks for listening. Always good to have a fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, think think about some of your recent actions. <laughs> um, yeah, I I I I like this this joke for that reason. But I tell you what, where people may have heard the phrase plus forty four is uh, the band, the short lived band from the mid two thousands, around this sort of time actually. Um, plus forty four was two former members of Blink one eighty two at the time, and they gave themselves the name plus forty four because they discussed forming this band whilst they were on tour in England. So there you go, another another bit of uh, useless trivia there as a, as a bit of a bonus for our listeners.
0: Well, I've got a question then. Isn't there a band called something like Sum some 40 something? Sum
1: some 41, you're thinking some of.
0: Sum 41, okay.
1: Yeah, this is this is uh, Blink 182, who used to just be called Blink. There you go, here's some more useless trivia. It used to be called <laughs> Blink, but there was already a band called Blink, so for copyright reasons they had to change the name, and someone said, well, us just add 182 to the end, and that's how they got the name.
0: See you guys you, and girls, you don't just learn about James Bond on this podcast.
1: You don't learn anything.
0: <laughs> well, you're going to learn something now, listeners, because this is the quiz time.
1: Are you ready? Let's start the quiz.
0: This is where I'm going to... Try to trip Andy up here. So, Andy, are you ready?
1: I am ready. Fire away.
0: Okay. So, just before, I just want to add a bit of pressure to you, Andy. Last week in Casino Royale, you got 50%. The week before that, you got 50%. The week before that, you got 50%. Week before that, you got hundred percent bang to ignore that I just want to pile on the pressure before we get into the quiz. Are you are you
1: saying that I'm in something of a, a slump?
0: You are, you are, and I struggle with the questions this week. So that's why I try to put you a bit of under a bit of pressure because I want to see you get fifty percent maximum only. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, this is quiz twenty two. I don't think I've got zero percent yet, have I?
0: You haven't, no. Yeah, so that, that,
1: this is a good streak, I'm on. I'm like the uh, the Arsenal Invincibles of 3 04, aren't I?
0: <laughs> yes, I, I guess so. But this could be this could this could this be Pizzagate, where it all came falling apart at Old Trafford? Yeah, I'm on the lookout for Roy Keane and Gary Neville behind <laughs> me, <them. laughs> <laughs> and Ces Fabregas throwing a slice of pizza. Indeed, at yeah, Sir Alex. <laughs> Anyway, so our overseas listeners probably all go over your head on what we're talking about there. We are just talking about football soccer. But anyway, let's get back into this. So Andy said he's ready. So the first statement. This movie is the only Bond film that has a foot chase, a car chase, a plane chase, and a boat chase. Are you ready for the next one?
1: Yeah, keep firing them. Let's okay.
0: Next statement. Daniel Craig and Mark Forster... Clashed on set several times due to the the delays in filming. And the accidents suffered on set by Craig. Which with at least one accident involved plastic surgery. Paul McCartney turned down the opportunity to write and perform the theme song for Quantum of Solace. I'll just repeat that one. Paul McCartney turned down the opportunity to write and perform the theme song for Quantum of Solace. And the last statement. Andy Garcia was originally going to play the general in Quantum of Solace. However, Garcia was offered the role of Terry Benedict in Oceans 12 and chose to work with Clooney, Brad Pitt and Matt Damon instead. Would you like me to repeat any of these? And before you answer Andy, my wife was listening to the pod recently and she says, Jay, why do you talk in a funny voice when doing the questions? And I said, it's because I want to make it clear so our listeners can play along as well.
1: And also, whilst I'm doing my best to audition for future Parts in Bond Films, you've got designs on uh, game show hosting.
0: Yeah, indeed. I Jay's
1: House of. of Games, you know, goodbye Richard Osman, hello Jay. <laughs> you know, that could work. Who wants to be a millionaire? If you want to get rid of Clarkson.
0: Yes, yeah, see, I didn't if even you know could, he presented
1: that. that. Yeah, he does, yeah. There you go. Well... As of this recording he does anyway. <laughs> Recent <laughs> comments that have come to light may, may or may not hinder that um, piece of employment. Uh, but yeah. Uh, no, I don't need you to repeat any. I've got I've got them written down. Um, once again, you've set me a very high bar that I've got to, got to cross. Now the first statement straight out, out of the bat, that's, that's got to be true, hasn't it? All those chase scenes... And we mentioned earlier, we can't remember a film that had all those, those chase scenes in, so I've, I've got to think that that first one is true, unless that is a red herring that you throw me straight away. But I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I think that is true. Yeah, second statement around uh, Craig and Forster clashing on set. Uh, I think, I can understand there would have been delays, because this was around the time of the writers' strike, 2008, so I'd imagine there would have been delays... So that's feasible, but I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that one's false. Um, Which leaves me, Paul McCartney and Andy Garcia. I'm going to say the Paul McCartney statement is also false. I don't think he was offered Quantum Solace, and I don't think he would have fit the mould. So I'm going to say that one's false. But I'm going to say true about Andy Garcia. I think he would have he been a, a good Bond villain. Um but obviously the Ocean's twelve sequel to Ocean's eleven um was big business and he was a integral part of that, so that'd have been difficult to turn down. So so I'm going true, false, false,
0: true. So Andy, you've got fifty percent this week. So it continues. <laughs> do you wanna hazard a guess at what ones were right or wrong? Um are we gonna i I'm gonna say
1: if I have to change my answer? the second one is is actually true about the clashes on set and the garcia one is false
0: so no so the the two correct ones are the bond chase and paul mccartney apparently it did turn it down and he was struggling to think what would rhyme with quantum of solace so he passed it up interestingly Daniel Craig and uh, Mark Forster was actually recommended for the director, give by Daniel Craig. Okay, that's. And Andy Garcia, one was me just thinking of random actors in that had the Latino look around that time. So Oceans 12 came out the year before Quantum of Solace. So I did a bit of research just for that false statement there. But yeah. So not bad that not bad, Andy. The slump continues. Yeah, yeah, you're, ha- you're uh, halfway, so it's I'm like n- I'm not
1: at rock bottom. No, I'm a, I'm a glass half empty, glass half full kind of guy. Whichever way you want to look at it. The rain
0: room. Moving on. Let's move on to our. I don't know if you say that it's the second part of the show. Really, this is, is the the rankings and ratings that me and Andy do. So it's the
1: it's the show within the show, isn't it? That's what it, it is. is, yeah.
0: So you get two shows for the price of one. The runtimes. Obviously Andy mentioned at the top of the pod it was 1 hour 46 minutes and I think Andy alluded to, uh, I can't can't remember but it is the 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 shortest runtime out of all the 22 Bond films so far. So that's 4 minutes shorter than Goldfinger and 5 minutes shorter than Dr. No. Obviously, listeners, feel free to jump on the website and you can see the full list on there. So me and Andy, we don't have to go through every single film. You don't want to just hear us talking out each of the film names. But interestingly, Daniel Craig, over the two films, he's got a runtime of four hours, 10 minutes. But because this one is a lot shorter than Casino Royale, which was two hours and 24 minutes, which were obviously reviewed last week and it went in at number one. His average drops down significantly down to two hours, five minutes. So across the six Bonds now, he's actually the the second shortest in terms of average one time. That's probably going to change over the next few weeks because this is a, a short film compared to the others. Moving on to the kill count. Again, we mentioned at the top of the podcast that Bond had 16 confirmed kills. Where does that leave us? So he actually moves into the... Top 10 this week with Quantum of So he's smack in the middle of For Your Eyes Only. Which is 18 kills. And Octopussy. Which is 15 kills. So Daniel Craig is. Sandwiched between two Roger Moore films. So I don't think that's a bad place to be. So looking at the, the kills across the whole franchise. In terms of actors. Daniel Craig is actually in 4th place now. With 27 kills across the two films. Which is 13.5 average. So that's just just above Timothy Dalton but quite a bit behind in terms of Sean Connery Kills but obviously Sean Connery's got four more films on Daniel Craig. Moving on to the next one before I pass over to Andy is Martini Watch and Andy mentioned at the beginning of the podcast he, Bond does drink Martini in the Quantum of Solace and I'm slightly pausing here Andy because I've got a question is this the first time that you hear the ingredients of the martini? Or did we hear it in Casino Royale?
1: I think we hear them in Casino Royale. And and that's when he names it the Vesper. And then in this time, he's on the plane, isn't he? And the, the bartender in the plane reads them out to him. Because hasn't Bond had so many that he can't remember what he's drinking? Isn't that the... Yeah, the and
0: it? Mathis, isn't it, comes over and he says, like, whatever it is. I don't know. I can't remember how many... Shots of parts of Gordons and stuff like that. But yeah, I just thought, I can't remember yet. I'm sure I remember in Casino Well, he describes it, what it is. But before that, I don't think it's ever explicitly mentioned in any of the Connery, Moores, Daltons, or Lazenby film, is it?
1: No, I don't think it
0: is. Okay. So over to you, Andy.
1: Okay, so the next thing is the Bond James Bond introduction. And as mentioned earlier, it doesn't appear. So this is only the fourth time in the franchise so far that we don't have the Bond-James Bond James Bond introduction Uh, and obviously for Craig he's currently on 50-50 with with just one out of two but uh, four out of 22 that's um, that's not a bad uh, not a bad run rate in terms of hat wearing and hat throwing neither are to be found in this film and that by looking at the notes is four films in a row now so the, the the hats are becoming a thing of the past for sure uh, next up, Felix Leiter. We do see Felix again, and once again played by Jeffrey Wright, who appears in the second film in a row. Um, we we talked a little bit about Jeffrey Wright in last week's episode. Fantastic actor, and he does a great job as Felix. Um, will we see him next week? Let's uh, find out next week, shall we? Uh, and one more thing from me before I pass back to you is uh, your favourite ranking, and that's the box office. So Budget-wise, which Jay mentioned earlier, $230 million, which is by far and away the highest budget of any Bond film so far. Uh, the actual worldwide box office was $591.7 million, which is on a par with Casino Royale. In, you know, it's, only, it's less than $3 million difference, so it's uh, very similar in terms of its taking, even though the budget was massively different. And in terms of the adjusted box office... million puts it in 8th place so far out of 22.
0: So moving on to Bond So we've said this for quite a few episodes now. We're not going to go through every single one because as of 22 films, we are on to 72 Bond So Andy, I'm just going to filter on the Quantum of Solace ones. So we've got two, as Andy mentioned at the top of the podcast, and I put Strawberry Fields in at 36, and Camille in at 27. How about you?
1: So I've gone slightly further apart with mine. Strawberry at 45, um, an okay Bond girl, but a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit too easy to jump into bed with him, and you know, maybe not quite so so strong. But I've got Camille up as high as 14, so just above Jinx, just below Octopussy. I thought a very strong, independent. Uh, Kick-Ass Bond Girl. Uh, It'd have been nice to see a little bit more of her, to be honest, but uh, 14, respectable position. Next up, the theme song. So this is the Jack White-Alicia Keys duet of Another Way to Die. (laughs) Something of a disappointing song. I understand what they were going for. Obviously, they they changed tack slightly last week with the uh, Chris Cornell version which I really liked. I had that in I've got that at number six. This felt much weaker to me. I've got this in at seventeen out of twenty two, so just below all time high by Rita Coolidge and just above the Honor Majesty's Secret Service theme by John Barry. Um an okay song, just I felt like it I understand what they were going for with the the new style bond. Just you know, wasn't a banger. What about you, Jay?
0: I uh, so a couple of things. I was surprised where you put this one because I I know you, your music taste. I thought you might have liked this one a bit more, being alternative, rocky. So I was a bit surprised when I saw your ranking. I pull it in at eighteenth position, which is only one below you. I like that it was different to other Bond songs, but I just don't. I just don't think it was a good Bond fit at all. And when watching the film with the wife, you know, at the opening scene, she made a witty comment to say, this, give Madonna, this gives Madonna a run for the money in terms of where's Bond's song. Obviously, Madonna, in my listing, is actually one place higher than this. And on yours, it's at the bottom. And in terms of the wife, she she very much dislikes the Madonna Die Another Day song. So I thought that was quite witty.
1: Interesting. That's, I guess that's what the kids would call a sick burn fan. <laughs> that's
0: what that is. Uh,
1: would here's a question for you would this song have been better if he'd have sang it with his wife slash sister <laughs>
0: <laughs> no I think I think Elisa Keys is one of the, the good bits on it um, but yeah it's it's just not a Bond song at all uh, no it's not a Bond song at all I just really yeah I didn't and I'm surprised it's not actually lower but I did the whole thing of listening to our Spotify playlist of the Bond films um, you know the songs and i do think it's better than show a crow and garbage so the the is the bosnian era was disappointed in terms of my rankings but i do think this one's actually better and i don't know it's because it's so different that's why i put it um, a bit higher moving on credits i'm just going to keep this short and sweet i'll put quantum of Solace in 17th position obviously mentioned at the top of the pod what their different elements are with the the opening credits but yeah, for me it was disappointing. How about you, Andy? Uh,
1: so last week I put Casino Royale in at eight. This week it's replaced by Quantum of Solace at eight. I think much of the same kind of stuff. I slightly preferred this, so this knocks Casino Royale down a place, but eighth. It was it was fine. You know, nothing nothing egregious, but yeah, it's um it's not a it's not going to trouble the top three or top five. That's for sure. So uh, solid but not spectacular is how I would view it. Uh, let's move on again to the villains. Now like the Bond Girls, we're not going to go through all of these because we have quite the list now. By my count we have eighty-four villains in total with the addition of, of these. So the five villains that we have for Quantum of Solace, and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go top to bottom. So I'm gonna start with my favourite villain. That was actually General Madrano, although well, not the main villain of the piece, my favourite one. And I've put him in thirty-fourth. So, you know, middle middle table. Bit of a nasty streak, you know, a bit, bit vicious, bit handsy, but ultimately not not a great threat. So, uh, you know, respectable therefore. Now, the rest of the villains are all going to appear in the bottom half of the table. So I've got Green in at 51. You know, other than the fight scene with Bond where he was seemingly just as tough, it didn't come across as intimidating. He was just a bit of a slime ball really. And not a great villain at all. Um, Mr. White didn't really see much of Mr. White. He was he was there, obviously, at the start, and then he was at the opera, and then disappeared. Like, who knows what happened to him? That seems like a a gap that wasn't closed. So it was difficult to really judge him on, on much of what he did. So for that reason, I've got him in at 67. So he's definitely towards the bottom. Um, Craig Mitchell, I've got just slightly below at 70. This this is one of those where he's really hampered by time. He's in, he's in it really for the one scene and then he dies at the end of it. It's a good scene, it's my favourite scene in the film, but ultimately you don't get to see what he's really done as a villain. He's you know he's he's outed as a double agent. He's chased and he's killed, so it's difficult to judge him beyond that. If he was a more integral to the story, he, he could have been an all timer He could have been in the sort of Alec Trevelyan territory if he was more integral to the story. But he was a it was a bit pop player to just get to the next scene so i couldn't justify any higher than 70 now finally the final one on the list for me is elvis and i've put elvis in right at the bottom at 84 now earlier i told you to hold that thought on elvis and i have a question for you linked to that what did he actually do
0: you know what andy i do i do my ratings before you and then you you add your ratings on so when I saw your rating coming after mine, I thought, bottom? And then I thought, yeah, but what did actually Elvis do? <laughs> so I couldn't even justify why I put it. I put mine low. Elvis is low on my list. But he was tripped down the stairs by um, an admin person. So Strawberry Field is not a field op. She basically, I don't think she's a receptionist, but she's some kind of admin I don't know, intelligence, but she's not an operative at all. She trips him up. His his two P or something um comes off. He goes to the the front gate when they're at the docks to get bonds, um, universal exports and make um business card and makes a phone call. And then he's like and he dies by the explosion. He's just like lingering in the background, isn't he, with green all the time. So I couldn't think when I saw that I thought, yeah. I can't argue at all at your ranking, and then I thought, shall I change my mind? I thought, no, I can't be bothered. I keep my. He's he's got a crap haircut. Yeah,
1: he stands behind a not very good villain. He gets tripped over by an admin person, and he dies. Like, take take him out of the film, nothing changes, other than you know she has to trip someone else up on the stairs. So, and you know, bear in mind one of the so-called villains is octopus who turns out to not be a villain at all and he's below her so bang bang last on the list 84 out of 84 so far so that's my that's my order jay where did you rank the five from this film
0: so my ones are not too dissimilar dissimilar to yours andy however when you went in with the general 34 all of my villains are at 51 or lower. So I think there's a very strong case of arguing that the general is better than Dominic Green from, you know, based on the uh, comments that we've made earlier. But I think Dominic Green, he is the main villain. So I put him in at 51, which incidentally is actually the same ranking that you've got him in, which um, I didn't realize until now. Then I would go down to 68 where I put the general, 69 is Elvis. Seventy is Mr. White, and then five more spots down below. There is seventy-five. Craig Mitchell. So for me, Quantum of Solace has some really weak villains slash henchmen. Because Mr. White, he he's a bit of a token villain. He's at the beginning. He's at the Opera House, and then he's had his scene cut at the end. I don't recall seeing him after the Opera House. I don't think we see him after then.
1: I don't think we do. And I don't think he really plays into the story. No. Other than the very first scene.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I I don't know if I put him there because of his, I don't know, I, I will not say his legacy, but the influence that he's had in the previous film. So he's maybe too high, but because we're looking at each film independently. But Craig Mitchell, like you said, apart from the the beginning Chase he's obviously then met his his sticky end, and then that's it, so for me, the villains in this film were really, really weak, maybe they were better, it might have moved it up a point in terms of my ranking, but yeah very very disappointing and talk about rankings, we just move on to movies now. I've put quantum of solace, obviously, I mentioned earlier on, I gave it six out of ten, and as we mentioned, pretty much every. Week in the pod. We're not having any joint places in terms of the movie ranking. So I've got a number of films. Six out of ten. I've got five different films including this one. Which is Live and Let Die. You Only Live Twice. Octopussy. And The Living Daylights. For me Quantum of Solace is weaker than all of those. So it's at the bottom of the pile in terms of the sixes. But above the five. So out of the 22 films so far. I've got Quantum of Solace in 16. Position, 16th position which is a massive drop from casino royale last week which i gave eight out of ten so a very strong opening with daniel craig so i mentioned earlier you know about the budget and the the box office stats so for all that extra money they've lost two points and all those millions that i mentioned earlier what about you andy you obviously gave it a seven earlier where does that pull it in your league table
1: so it's a bit higher up for me it's uh, the seven out of ten Ranks it on par with Golden Eye, A View to a Kill, For Your Eyes Only, Licence to Kill, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, The Spy Who Loved Me, and From Russia with Love. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of company there for it. It's pretty much bang in the middle. So those films I've mentioned are between fifth and twelfth place. Quantum of Solace ranks at number eight for me. Um, I, I really enjoyed the film a lot more than I remembered it, and there was a lot of good action there was a lot of good scenes this this is one of those that could have been an all-timer had it had a better story and to your earlier point better villains as well it was it was a little bit haphazard in places there were some things that just didn't didn't get solved mr white being one of them the whole camille thing just appearing at the party and uh, there was a, an element of disjointedness about it but there was enough Good to rank it high enough, but if you know if they'd have tightened up the story, tightened up the characters, this could have been you know a top three, top five film for me. So I, I really enjoyed it, but uh yeah, it was a, a definite step down from Casino Rail, which I, I you know I've ranked as my number one one movie so far with nine out of ten. So it was it was always going to struggle to compete with that, um, but a, a solid top top half of the table, eighth place. With seven out of ten. Uh, moving swiftly on, um, also we've had the two Craig films so far, so we can rank them by actor quite easily. Uh, for me, it comes second of two, you know, with Casino Royale being nine out of ten and Quantum being seven. Do you just want to remind the listeners of your ranking?
0: Yeah, so Casino Royale is eight out of ten and Quantum of Solace is six out of ten so far for the Daniel Craig. So that's a total of 14 out of 20 and that's a seven out of 10 average and moving on the the last bit in terms of the rankings and ratings is Bond actors so at the moment we've obviously had all six actors now we've still got a few more films to Daniel Craig but for my rankings as of at the point of Quantum of is Connery, Bosnan, Roger Moore, Daniel Craig, Dalton, And Lazenby, so that's one to six. So Daniel Craig remains in the middle of the pack for me. What about you, Andy?
1: Uh, So no change for me. Craig remains my favourite Bond. He went straight in at the top spot last week, so I thought Casino Royale and his performance was excellent. I thought his performance in this was excellent as well. He was let down by some of the things around him. But my order remains the same. Craig, Connery, Brosnan, Moore, Lazenby and Dalton. But that could all change. As we get into next week's pod now um, we're about done here for today aren't we so I'll, I'll just briefly I'll briefly give you an insight into what we're going to be talking next week because from my limited Google inability, I've got to find this it doesn't seem to be a bond story at all it seems to be the story of chicken licking and uh, which is a European folktale about the uh, a chicken who believes the world is coming to an end and he keeps going round saying that the sky is falling down. Is that what we're talking about next week? Or have I I misspelled something along the way? Yeah, there's definitely something to do with Skyfall. And that's all all we can really say for now. Let's find out next week what we're really going to be talking about.
0: Well, that's this week's episode done. We hope you enjoyed it.
1: Special thanks to the band Sugar Tongue for the theme tune to the rating room. You can find them on all the usual social media channels. And be sure to check out this on the system. Available now on Spotify.
0: You can find and message us on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram by searching The Rating Room.
1: You'll find all our social media links on our website, theratingroom.com, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Or feel free to drop us an email at theratingroom@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Goodbye, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week, right here on The Rating Room.